All right. All right, folks. Guess what time it is? It's that time. That time of year for a new season of the ghostly. Not just the ghostly, but the mostly of the ghostly. That's right. Your favorite paranormal, supernatural, crypto, unexplainable, fantastical, magnificent podcast there is. Mostly ghostly with myself, Matt, and Ray returning for another season. Good to be back, Ray. Good to be back. How you feel? Oh, definitely. Definitely. I'm doing good. We're coming back in a big way this season, starting off uh, the season with a big old whammy, kicking it off. Powerhouse guest. I'm very excited for this guest. This is going to be a good time. Ready for it? Without any further uh, further ado, just pop right into it, Ray. That's it. I like the sound of that. You know what I mean? We get down with that. Pretty Upala will be joining us on the show. You know, very great, great stuff. Traveling the world, international speaker, talking about all types of stuff, geopolitics, religion, spirituality. You know what I mean? Uh, Writer of all types of international publicities. You know, she's, you know, well decorated for sure. Got a radio show, The Eternal Hour. Um, YouTube show called the Pretty Experience. You know what I mean? It's all good stuff. Um, a lot of fun. You know what I mean? Um, Priya, are you there? Am I talking over you? Yes, you're oh, here. Oh, my apologies. So my apologies. Namaste, everyone, and namaste to both you, Matthew, and Ray. Thank you so much for having me on your amazing show. Thanks for being on it. Oh, thank you. Great. Yeah, we had, uh, I think you, uh, Ray, I think you and Ray first talked. Yes. I remember correctly, yes. Ray's a good man. We like Ray over here. We'll keep him. He's amazing. (laughs) Very supportive. Yes. Ray's a good man. Without without Ray, the show would be nothing. Oh. No. That's very loving. So, so Preeti, let's. uh, You know, you've done a whole lot of stuff. Um, A lot. You've accomplished a lot of stuff. So, congratulations on that. I must say. Oh, thank you. You're 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 a, you're a seize the moment type of person. It feels yeah. like you know what I mean. You know, you you, you we'll we'll get into. You wanna do you wanna kind of talk about like the the upcoming of it? You know, I know you went to a lot of you 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 started school real early and you cruised through that. You have multiple degrees. Um, yeah, you all all over the Middle East. You know, yes. how was how was growing up in the Middle East? Ah, that's a great point uh, to start our conversation because I just got back from a trip to uh, the Middle East, actually from uh, Dubai, because I spent Christmas, New Year's there. I was there for two weeks and it was open for business. uh, One of the few places in the world that's open right now, actually. And they have managed to do a very good job to contain it. They were pretty strict. Um, just so you know, there's a $1,000 uh, fine if you don't have a mask on you. And they're very strict on enforcing it. So, uh, you know, um, so, I mean, there's pros and cons. It, it is kind of a, a police state, but with the facade of complete liberty and openness and freedom. So the good thing is that tourists love it and they think, oh, this is like such a oasis in the desert because you have freedom. You can dress as you want. The restaurants serve alcohol and, you know, you can go to the beaches and do, you know, many, most things that you could do over here in the States. 
But then if you look closely, you'll see that uh, law, uh, the rule of law and order is taken very seriously. They have very specific laws that you have to abide by and you don't want to get into trouble even you're, if you're a local or a foreigner. So I just got back from there and it's nice to see that they have evolved a lot, let's yeah. say, especially Dubai has in the last uh, 15, 20 years, even five, 10 years, I would say, uh, the mindset of the local Emiratis has changed. I think they're becoming more politically savvy. I think they're realizing uh, their place in the world and also who the good guys are and the bad guys are. And even their their leadership is sort of getting this clarity now, I think more than they've ever had. So it's good to see them making all the right moves. Like they see the U.S. as, a, as an ally, a very strong ally, actually. You know, and now they opened up this uh, thing with Israel. So that's a, definitely a bridge that they probably never thought they would cross in, in their lifetime. Right. But it's happened now. So uh, I think that's opening the door to many new things and important for them to change their mindset. So that's what I saw. I had a great time uh, growing up. There was interesting. I think as a child, it's very different because um, you you see the best of it, you know, it's safe. Uh, they have great malls, uh, very good schools, uh, you know, very family oriented thing. Uh, it's weather is nice, beaches, uh, people are rich, you have money, it's tax free. You know, there's a lot of good things there. I think uh, when you're an adult, it's different. Like even as a girl, if you're in under 18, let's say it's great, you know, or teens, it's fantastic. It's only as an adult and I'm not talking about Dubai. Dubai is still fine. But any of the other Islamic states, which are very strict, um, I think as an adult woman, you realize the restrictions that you have. So I left when I was 15. So I got to have the best of what the Middle East has to offer. I grew up with with the Lebanese, Egyptians, Jordanian, uh, Saudis, uh, as well as uh, Indian uh, sort of uh, uh, Muslims, let's say, Pakistanis, uh, Afghanistanis, and so on. So, uh, and also the expats too, because there's a huge expat community there. So, um, you know, I kind of, my neighbors, friends, and colleagues, uh, I mean, uh, school uh, friends were uh, from all over the world. So I had a very nice experience there. I don't think everyone, <laughs> every foreigner will have such an experience, but I think I got very lucky because I think if you have, um, a neg like if you experience whether, so I'm a religious minority there, you yeah. know, it's, it's a, you know, it's a Muslim majority country and I'm a Hindu. So, uh, as a minority there, especially a religious minority, uh, and I grew up all over the Middle East, not just Dubai, other countries that were much more intolerant, I think, of other religions. And in fact, in some of these countries, you don't really have the freedom to practice uh, a religion other than Islam, right? Yeah. So I think it's slightly changing now, but not, not that much. So as a religious and ethnic minority, I must say I was, I didn't face the kind of uh, bigotry, racism, and maybe even, you know, sexism that, that could very well have been a possibility. And I know several other people who have. Yeah. So I think I maybe just kind of got very lucky in some way. And obviously I wasn't looking for it. You're, you just, you're positive and you think everyone is nice and they like you and care about you. And I think I've, 
you know, and I've always traveled even as a child and I've always been respectful of other cultures and accepting. I never imposed my views on anyone. And I think that's why no matter where I went, other people always accepted me and invited me into their world. And I never had that tension that, or friction that, that some may have, you know, so, uh, but it was fun growing up and I go back there a lot and I think it's uh, changing and uh, I want to continue to, you know, visit there often and see if I could even uh, speak there and maybe do a project that involved uh, whatever their, their, their leadership or culture, something like that. I think they could benefit uh, greatly by having, uh, you know, some kind of dharmic ambassador there who talks about, you know, spirituality and philosophy from a different perspective. I think they could, it, it, it would do wonders for them, I think. And also they're in need of a PR, a facelift, let's say, including yeah. Dubai. I think there's been a, a lot of negative press that it's had. And uh, it, it really is looking to kind of revamp itself. So I think somebody like myself could, um, could do something smart there, you know. So hopefully this is the year where maybe I will have some kind of alliances with their cultural department or whatnot. So I look forward to that. We're pulling for you. <laughs> Thank you. you. Get our vote. Yeah, you get our vote. We're down with you. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it definitely could be like a, a tough, tough area, you know, to come out of, especially I think with what you're doing with your empowerment and all that. Yeah. Um, very tough, you know what I mean? You, you got out of there at 15, you said. Yes. Um, you, uh, is that moving with family, right? Yeah, my family had moved there before I was born. And uh, so, you know, I pretty much only lived there, never lived in uh, any country before, before the Middle East. And then my family moved to Europe briefly. And then they moved to Australia, um, which is where my parents still live. And I moved on to, I won a scholarship actually to study to, to study in New York. And this was 10 years ago and I took it because I knew it was the beginning of a new chapter of my life and no regrets. It's been quite a magical journey. And, and as you mentioned before, I, um, you know, I was very young when I went to university, uh, graduated early, uh, started working in the corporate world for a few years before realizing that it wasn't quite my, my dharma in life, my purpose right. in life. So I gave that up. And no sooner had I done that, I realized that I deserve to be on the global stage, doing something artistic, creative, using my my gifts, my talents. And uh, I should be expressing myself and speaking and writing and performing and all of that good stuff. And that's what led me to acting and filmmaking in Australia. And then uh, very quickly, uh, that scholarship came through and then I knew that this was a new path for me. So, you know, I did that. I moved here. It was amazing. I I live in Los Angeles. It's uh, my uh, home. And I mean, it's my spiritual home as much as it is my, my uh, professional home. But I think the last few years, a lot has happened in my own life where I've uh, got gotten involved in media politics, you know, and, uh, writing and speaking on various issues and also in the area of geopolitics and religion and writing and speaking about spirituality. So uh, my own, you know, sort of um, path has also uh, 
gotten refined, I think, in many ways. So now I find myself involved in many different sectors. Uh-huh. And uh, and it's fun, you know, it's fun to be able to do that and affect people at large. And uh, especially when you realize that you have a lot of traction and people like what you're saying, they agree with you. They are happy that somebody is an ambassador for these things, especially all the good stuff, you know. It's great. It's very fulfilling, I think, in a way that uh, the corporate world uh, was not for me. So it's it's been a real journey, but very magical. Now, I don't know if Ray told you, but me and him make independent films over in Massachusetts. Oh, I didn't know that. I mean, what kind of movies? Are they like um, paranormal activity kind of movies? Yeah, we, got, we do some ghostly movies. I love it. Movies, comedies, thrillers, dramas, documentaries. We try and do dabble in a little bit of everything. I think a ghost comedy movie is the best. They're so fun, you know. I support that. I support a ghost comedy. So, <laughs> you know, in Australia is when you kind of first got. I want to ask a few film questions, you know, because yes. we we are yes. kind of we're kind of in that world as well. You yes. know what I mean? Um, in Australia is when you first started getting into film when you were living out there. Yes. So I I left my I used to work as an investment banker. So uh, after you know some years of doing that and also traveling a little bit for my work as well, I uh, it, it didn't fulfill me. And I knew that I was meant to do something more. So I started meditating a lot. I, that's the first time I got into yoga was around that time and got into, you know, my spiritual path, let's say, like introspection and contemplation and uh, trying to find my inner voice and all of those amazing things. And very soon answers came up and insights came up. And I knew that these were strong, um, intuitive insights that could not be ignored and and the voice was very clear and it sort of guided me in the right direction um and yeah very quickly took me to the world of cinema and uh, entertainment and movies and australia is it's a small industry it's it's interesting because i i one would think it would be bigger because it's a rich country a lot of resources amazing locations to to shoot the government can be very supportive there with grants and so on but for some reason i think australia is they love hollywood and they're so caught uh, and entrenched i think in the american entertainment scene that the there's very little filmmaking and shooting that happens in australia and there's more tv actually and some tv dramas and stuff which relatively speaking it's it's you know, nothing compared to the U.S., but it's better than the film industry. Film industry is very dormant and small. And, you know, the Aussie movies, are, some are very good quality movies, but they just don't make it uh, global. They, they just, it doesn't happen. But, but, but look, uh, all the amazing Aussie actors, they all come to Hollywood. Yeah. Uh, Russell Crowe, Nicole Kidman, and uh, they, uh, Mel Gibson, and they all do so well. All of them do so well because I think they work hard. They have no ego, uh, easygoing. Uh, Americans are very intense, I think. Aussies are very laid back. So I think they like the Aussie sort of um, attitude. And also their work ethic is very good. And they're just not difficult on the set. They're just Even the stars are not difficult. So um, they don't take themselves too seriously. They laugh at themselves. So it's a wonderful uh, experience to work for them i think so that's why they do so well you know yeah everybody loves hollywood you know? i know well not anymore i think hollywood is going oh, yeah, to- true 
a real turn. I think the biggest mistake in Hollywood, as as I see it, is they they got very political in the last few years in a way that they shouldn't have got. They started mixing in entertainment with politics, uh, much of what they don't know. uh, You know, it's not something that they're... uh, you know, they'll make statements that are not really backed up with any evidence. And I think they're, they're, uh, what's the, the saying? They need to stay in their lane. They're yeah. overreaching a little bit. And it's one thing if you get your facts right, but it's not the case. And then I think there's just, it's been a bit hateful, venomous, uh, you know, and also there's a cancel culture here. If you happen to have a different point of view, uh, they don't like it and they could really make things very difficult for you, which, is you know there's a bit of silencing uh, that goes on which is not healthy for yeah. a, a country that prides itself on freedom of expression i mean i i don't think this country has freedom of expression anymore after what's been happening with all the deplatforming you know it's definitely gone downhill for sure with that yeah. you know what i mean yeah yeah, Hollywood. It's fanfare when the Hollywood. Uh, Ray, oh, I seen Ray, but yeah, the Hollywood deal. It's we. They, they. They. It's like I don't even think they believe when they're going out on the limb saying all these things and such. I don't even think they really believe it. I think they just think that there's so many other people that believe it that yeah. like they're looking good in their eyes and they're selling movie yeah. tickets and albums. You know, that's true. If they're in a big uh, a bubble, an echo echo chamber, and they think that. Everybody thinks like them, and uh, and and actually, a lot of people in the industry do think alike. But uh, there are others, and then the audience m- might not think the way that they do. And yeah. uh, but I think COVID has really affected Hollywood, you know. And uh, I mean, I live here, and there's been 2020 was an awful year for them. A lot of um, you know people went out of business. A lot of sort of there wasn't much content creation, and. Quite frankly, 2021, I don't think in two months we're going to be back, you know, on a set with no masks and all that good stuff. I think this is going to go on for a long time. I think this is also going to be one of those. It's going to be very similar to 2020, actually, maybe worse because we might find new strains now and we'll find that the vaccine doesn't do it. They might have there might be a second vaccine or multiple vaccines. And I just and I, you know, even if you take the vaccines, you, you have to be masked up. It's going to be, it is mandatory. I think uh, December, 2021, we'll still be wearing masks. No. Oh yeah. I, I think so too. You know, I think we're going to, even after, I know, even yeah. after they say it's okay, we'll yeah. be wearing, we'll still be wearing masks for years yeah. after that. Yes. You know, Ray, we were going to, did I cut you off from saying something? Uh, well, I was thinking about the Hollywood and I was thinking about, um, there are, Many of the productions that come out of Hollywood now keep it within, I don't know, last 20, 30 years. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm less impressed with. Yes. I like, I like some of the older ones, and that's wow. because many of the older ones, and not necessarily Hollywood, but you had people who, let's say, directors or producers who are now famous. When they were first out there, they were very creative. Yes. Yeah. And they were they were pushing limits and they were putting yeah. stories out and they were not in the system yet. Yeah. And I like their early work uh, for the same reason that I like a lot of independent films. Mm. Because they take chances. They, they're not being held back by anything. Yeah. 
and they're just letting the creativity flow. And I think Hollywood has lost that creativity and uh, lost that freedom uh, of expression to just go out there and make something. Some of the best films I've seen are on micro budgets. They had hardly any money, but they were so creative and they concentrated on character and, and the story that uh, they're incredible, that I don't see much of that coming out of the big studios anymore. I agree. And I think this actually makes uh, creates a great niche and a need for uh, movies who that explore uh, topics of, uh, you know, spirit and energy, uh, uh, you know, paranormal activities, thing, the unseen, the mysterious, the uh, aliens, uh, or sci-fi, ET, all that good stuff. I think there's a big craving for that. There's always been a, a fascination, but I think now uh, there's a big, there is going to be, I think, moving forward, a big demand. And that's great because you don't need stars for this. You just need thought-provoking um, ideas. And, and it's not even about dialogue or anything. It's just make people think like there is so much out there that we don't know about or the, and the mass media and academia does not tell us about. And now we are getting all these research saying that th there is evidence of alien existence and, and that's been hidden from us. I mean, this stuff is all very real. I know many people who've had personal experiences where they've felt things and they know that it's, it's, they're not hallucinating. There is something out there. Um, and I think uh, if there are independent movie makers who want to, uh, take up that topic that's good for society because I think whether we like it or not all of this um, other you know vibrations exist right yeah. so I think that's maybe the big silver lining from the the, the rom-com and the typical Hollywood being hit is a, maybe a space for all this other stuff yeah I mean it'll be underground films you know you're seeing more yeah. indie underground films pop off now because of that you know the, the thing yeah. with the thing with the big hollywood thing it's a business a lot of people you know yeah. filmmaking is an art form you know what i mean yeah. but the the business once the business side gets too deep into it where you come with those multi-million dollar budgets and the investments and now you're answering the people now it's more of a people looking for their money back type deal yeah. You know what I mean? Instead of like, that's why we're seeing all these reboots and we're seeing all these things that have been done a million times because they yeah. think, you know, they, they watched it last time. We'll get them again. They'll watch it again type deal. That's true. But Disney, I don't know if you've heard, but Disney's yeah. hurting a lot. Really? Marvel is hurting a lot. I think people are even tired of the reboots and a yeah. few. And also they went to woke. They doubled down on the wokeness, yeah. having the female ghost, but like those, those things, those movies tanked. Yeah. They lost a lot of money. And now these studios are not able to um, recuperate and, and they realize that that's not a formula to nobody wants that. Women are not watching it. Men are not watching it. So nobody wants that. Right. So they just they have to go back to what was working which is not the wokeness, you know, so uh, I hope they all learn because they're still very, they're like ostrich syndrome, right? I think their yeah. head is buried in the sand. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a tough, it's, it's tough because even those executives have to answer to somebody too. So if Joe, yeah. Schmo, Joe Schmo executive comes into the big <laughs> seat and they yeah. say, you know what? That's an original idea. We're going to throw 10 million behind that. That's original idea, you know, 10 million that instead of this hundred million dollar film, now, if those movies, they could be the cult classics that people love 20 years later and masterpiece films. But if they're not making the money at the box office, that executive no longer has a job. 
So it's like a weird, the machine's so weird. Like yeah. it, it's all light. Like everything in that business is the lightning in the bottle type deal. You know, you just yeah. gotta kind of, you know, wait, wait for the appropriate time, so to speak. That's true. Yeah, so it's weird. It's a weird business, you know, everybody, and everybody's trying to get into it. It's, uh, it's fun. And it's, it's, it's so cutthroat. Did you find it like very cutthroat when you when you came over uh, in New York? You came over to New York. I remember it was the first. Yeah, time it was the, my the film academy that offered the scholarship was in New York, so I moved there, and um, I had the option of doing my course actually in New York or in the, near the Warner Brothers Studio here in near Burbank, and I picked obviously Burbank, and I did the right thing. I definitely made the right move, and. Uh, so, uh, you know, it's been interesting. Cutthroat, I, the industry is very cutthroat. I think I always realized that I was um, different and unique in many ways, not just from a casting perspective, but how I think, who I am. And also I, I do other things. I wasn't some actor looking for a gig. You know, I, I was, yeah. you know, it's just, it's one of the things that I did. And uh, I just think that for me, I was in a different sort of situation um, and it, I didn't make any poor choices. I, you know, I, I didn't have to um, sort of, uh, you, know, you know, kind of work as a waitress uh, dreaming that I'm going to get a spot by some casting director who comes to the restaurant or whatever. No, none of those things happen. And I didn't have to go to mansion parties looking for producers. And, you know, a lot of actors have to do that or they think they have to do that. So for me, I always knew that there was substance. There was other things I wanted to do. And I'm by nature um, an entrepreneur. I want to own my content. So producing became a, um, a natural sort of move for me. And now I feel comfortable to create and host a show, I think rather than some paid sort of episodic gig or whatever. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, and I knew that I was very unique in many ways. My, I, you know, if, if you're just going with casting alone, uh, the pool is very small for somebody who may look like me anyway, or for a role that I would be suitable for, a specific description, right? So, uh, you know, I was kind of one among not that many, to be honest, right? So yeah. I never had that pressure or there was no desperation or there was no, I never compared myself to um, others, uh, whether it was just some American actor or even people in my own specific uh, pool, let's say, it just, I knew that I was doing my own thing, always in a sort of my own planet and, that's good for me. It gave me freedom. I'm very confident. I'm, you know, because I think when you're insecure or uh, kind of uh, anxious about all of these things, it shows, yeah. you know, when you meet people. For me, I was always easygoing and very confident in my own skin. And I think people uh, appreciated that. And they also saw my, my uh, kind of my business skills or my business mind. And uh, I had a lot of proposals to to uh, pro co-produce projects or become an executive producer or, you know, a lot of, because I used to come from an investment world uh, and I have investment connections. A lot of people came to me with projects looking for funding and yeah. financing. Uh, although that's, that's a different world of its own. So, yeah. you know, I've, it's been an interesting journey, I think for me. Oh yeah. With that, I didn't even think of that with that banking background. Yeah. My goodness, that one of the most hardest and now you're producing. I mean, that, that, that's gotta be one of the most valuable 
assets that you probably brought to the producing side of it is that banking mentality and the, the, the possibility of finding money, because I mean, that's what makes the whole machine move at the end of the day. You know? But I, I, the sad thing is uh, all of my investor friends, um, they don't invest in Hollywood movies. They never invested in Hollywood movies. That's too risky. They, they, always money, invested, yeah. <laughs> they always invested in oil and gas and commodities and gold and, and biotech and, and, and tech, you know, Art, yeah. so, and now is the green energy. So Hollywood, yeah, some movie somewhere, it, it, no, it's not even an easy sell, to be honest. Let me so, talk to those um, people. I'll get some money. <laughs> you know, you've, uh, say for, 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 for what, for the Christmas list, so for the same amount, you give me a, a Christmas list worth of money. I make a nice feature film. Beautiful. <laughs> so <yeah>. funny. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, the media thing. I know you, you're doing your own, you got your own radio show going and you got yes. the, the YouTube show, you know, I think that, that kind of spawns with that whole producing, you know, becoming, you know, producer, you know. Yeah, content creator. Yeah. Content creator. Exactly. Like the dig, digital media. You yes. know what I mean? That's the way of the future, streaming and, it, and digital media, I think. Yeah. It really is. Like we me and Ray started this show. We started mostly ghostly, maybe what, two years ago, right? Wow. Maybe a little longer. Uh no, actually it was one year. Wow. Well, I know that before that we did the audio version for for, for mm-hmm. this last year, but I want we had some videos up before. There was like some videos and then we had a little break. A little breaky break. But then we came back. Um that's maybe like a year and a half, maybe two years. I was trying to give us a little more credit, make us look a little more respectable. <laughs> um, but yeah, even in that time, I mean, you know, we came, we, we entered it just, it was already a big, the podcasting thing was already a big thing. You seen what it was going to become. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we just kind of started for fun because we like talking about this stuff. But yeah, it's like, you, you'd be surprised how quickly the, the listens will rack up because there's just other people out there that like that type of stuff, you know, which I'm mm-hmm. sure was very, you know, you were very, you know, in, in tune to that when starting up your show. So, yes, it's nice to, uh, uh, you know, current affairs and all of this stuff, culture, pop culture, and, you know, and also then moving on to more uh, taboo subjects, which are religion and politics, you know. No so, uh, but I came at it from a different point of view. I first started with spirituality, and that took me to, um, geopolitics which ended up taking me to politics and then which took me to religion so they're all connected but they're connected in a different way it's all sort of part of the same cycle I think in some ways Um, and very insidious too you know you'd be surprised how much role religion plays in policy you know even in this country and many others too and not always for the positive It's, it's you got all kinds of sides to it um, but yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's interesting, I think, uh, to speak about these things. I mean, I enjoy, it's funny. I've only ever in, be, been interviewed by others, but I am a good, a very good interviewer myself. I think I could, I would be very, very, um, I, I could ask tough questions or I could ask very striking questions. So I think I should get, I want to get more into that interviewing other thought leaders and, interesting people you know get their view on some pertinent issues and things like that so we'll see which i think that's coming up hey me and ray are ready we're just waiting on that <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it's i think it'd be great with that i think you would really do a good job with that that'd be mm-hmm. big you know 
It is the future. It really is. Yeah. I think I think like you look people the way people would watch Jay Leno, you know, yeah. and stuff like that. I mean, you know, Joe Rogan right now. I mean Joe Rogan Oh, I love him. Well he's interesting. Best. He's he's it's been up and down for him. You know, he, yeah. he did what he was doing. Um, you know, not the, I mean, he's not an, in, I don't see him as an intellectual or a, you know, uh, you know, a, a thinker or a thought leader or even a speaker or an author, but, but he certainly has incredible people on his show. And I think he is a good interviewer to the extent that he lets them uh, share their wisdom and speak and yeah. uh, he's not a know-it-all. He doesn't pretend anything. He is who he is, uh, which is very attractive because there's a lot of other interviewers that think that they know it all. And they yeah. uh, also, they can uh, not let the guest, uh, you know, finish their thought and keep, if they don't like what the guest is saying, they can get very antagonistic. This is, it can get very hostile. We've seen that there are many hosts like that and we don't need that, you know, so he's very good in being level-headed and, you know, kind of letting people be themselves and open up. Uh, but then now the Spotify thing, now they're coming after him. The okay, wokeness already? brigade has come after him. And I don't know. I, I don't think it's working out for him. I think he, I don't know. You know, he might not, he might opt out of that. Well, the, the check cash. So it's working out for him. For, for now, but he, <laughs> but he's yeah, I, pushing it. They might it, the 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 end ending of this might not come from his side. It might come from their side. You know. Well, if the if they the only good side of that is if they break contract and let him keep the money, and then he's fr- he's free to go, free to go do his own, yeah. go go his own because he could. Joe could take could if they broke contract, he could keep his yeah. money, go solo, and he could start his own. He could start his own YouTube, realistic, if he wanted to. Yeah. And just everybody would go go there, and he could bring in a couple other big shows. That yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe he's ballpark. thinking about it. I have a feeling he's got. I don't think this relationship is working out for him, to be honest. And I think as we progress, I think yeah. they're going to come down on him, and I think he's making some plans. I'm sure. He probably. I know he's starting up some comedy clubs over mm-hmm. in, uh, there in nice. Texas. He's trying to bring it back to Texas, the comedy scene. Nice. Like, like you said, California. Like everybody's leaving California. I know. For the first time in ten years of living in Los Angeles, which I think is an amazing city. Yeah. I for the first time I'm questioning, do I need to be here for for what I do? Especially considering I'm moving. I'm I'm still very much involved in Hollywood, but in a different way, and I just feel that. Um, do I need to be here? Can I, can I be elsewhere half the time? Maybe do I need to be here all year? Is this, can this just be a base for me? And can I be open to other destinations or actually, to be honest around the world, it doesn't need to be in America. Yeah. Uh, it could be anywhere, you know, it could be Dubai, yeah. it could be Bali, Thailand, you know, there are some amazing cities out there that, are uh, very uh, attractive, you know, to, to sort of move and work out from. And uh, so I'm very open to what the world, uh, the universe is going to bring to me. And I think it's going to bring some changes this year. Maybe that I didn't even, that I'm not even thinking about, you know? Yeah. It's true. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The California, yeah. It's interesting. It's flipping. You going to say something, Ray? 
Oh uh, no, I was I was just uh, listening. I was also uh, thinking that a lot of it, uh, when you were mentioning some of the interviewers and how hostile they can get, mm. is, and it goes back to uh, someone's spiritual background. Yes. And uh, where they are coming from, how much they are at peace with their own spirituality in themselves. Yes. And uh, without that peace, then they are going to be hostile to anybody, particularly if, if they disagree. They may bring someone on that they disagree with just to attack them. And that's, that is uh, a lack of depth in the, my opinion, a lack of depth in themselves as far as knowing what they really are or even a lack of spiritual path. Yeah. That's true. I think what I've learned living in America for so long is this is a very religious country, whether you like it or not. People are these are the pilgrims, right? They're all the they're puritanicals, uh, a puritanical, I should say. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that, but they are people of faith, which is fine. But you have to be your faith must allow you to look at other points of views and tolerate beyond tolerance have a mutual respect you know understand that there are many paths to the truth and uh, you're not the only one who has the monopoly of of truth and I think that's the biggest difference I see in the you know in America and and when you compare it to for example a place like India or when you compare like an Abrahamic model to a Dharmic model um, which is completely open um, and accepting of the fact that we don't have all the answers and that, uh, you know, there is one, one uh, truth, uh, the wise call it by many names. That's the fundamental essence of, um, you know, the, the dharmic way, which uh, takes all the pressure off. You're not proving anything to anyone. You're not converting anyone to your uh, way of uh, uh living or your your thought process you're doing your own thing as well as respecting them to do theirs and uh, that's a huge difference because it manifests in different ways and um, I think uh, but I see the world uh, searching for more they're thirsty to come out of this dogmatic organized religious framework and they they know that there's more out there Uh, you know the truth of the world the meaning of life uh, existence itself so they are exploring i think the eastern paths uh, a lot you know and a lot of them try to find themselves in, in that whether it's finding a spiritual guru a teacher uh, obviously many of them travel they go to bali or thailand or india and they you know look at what else is out there and they or they get into yoga which takes them also deeper into other Vedic sciences and Vedic philosophy itself. You know, I think uh, uh, also the yoga itself is interesting because you can't uh, separate yoga from its uh, philosophy, you know, and the the philosophy is very specifically Vedic, right? And um, you can't say this is just an exercise sequence. Uh, It's not like that. It's very, you have to understand the philosophy behind it. And if you want to call yourself a yogi, you need to try to live by those principles, which I find here in the West, they, they whitewash yoga itself and they don't do that, which is dangerous because they go around calling themselves yoga gurus, whereas they've only done maybe a, a weekend crash course or yeah. they just, I just don't think that the depth is there and they don't really know what yogic philosophy is 
and um, you know then they set up yoga studios and charge people a lot of money and they don't teach them the right kind of wisdom which i think is very dangerous so in 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 a way i covid kind of took care of that mm-hmm. because all of these studios are shut down now and only the very serious people are doing practicing it at, at home the rest are have let it go you know so um that's the danger that i see with you know uh, something deep and profound uh, it gets diluted very very easily and that needs to be protected i think yeah i mean ha- haven't people been talking about like a resetting of a clock for for you know com- you know society wise for 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 years like what if yeah, there there, there, there are many calendars clock? out there for sure you know i mean this is is it the gregorian calendar i guess that we that we take but there's many uh ancient civilizations they measure uh time in a different way and you know you know like for example this is these are called the kala yuga kala yuga is literally the dark times this is as bad as it's going to get but the be- beautiful thing is after kala yuga uh is is the 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 age of enlightenment the light years the golden years the, so the yeah. good times are ahead of us but we have to get through the dark night of the soul which is what we are going through as we speak and uh it's been very intense last year was intense um nothing is an accident everything including the elections and the american leadership this is all karmic i believe it's for for better or for worse it's all connected they're all it's all a catalyst to um think about the world in a different way to open up you you know your views and also it's all aligned and the, and if you believe in astronomy and and astrology the planets are very much connected too and if you ask any astrologer they will tell you that we are going through one of the most intense um transits in the world uh, of of our life because you have pluto saturn and you we did have jupiter as well in capricorn that's a complete um destruction of the old ways you know and uh, like the phoenix rising you destroy everything and then only the the new rises and it's churn spiritual churn and there's a lot of destruction out there but old ways especially corporate government banking systems all these things are collapsing you know new ways are coming out look at bitcoin blockchain yeah. um streaming it's all technology it's digital it's decentralized you know um yeah the the old uh you know uh ways of doing things are changing people are uh, getting out of religion and getting into spirituality for example or, you know so it's all um changing in in many ways but it's all connected none of this is an accident yeah uh, the um i know in the native american uh well if you're talking about gregorian calendar most of the world falls at least uh what they call the civilized world from their behavior i don't know if they're that civilized but um they follow a linear time mm-hmm. everything one in sequence the native american is circular yes everything goes in a circle now part of that there's a story um or a prophecy about the rainbow warriors Mm. and some believe that we are entering that time what the rainbow warriors are they're not warriors in a way that we think about it 
uh, rainbow is because they will be from the four corners of the earth. Wow. The people will come together. They will be the warriors that bring the truth and peace into the future. Mm-hmm. So what you have here is an old prophecy in uh, the U.S. among yes. many, many native uh, tribes wow. about this. And it, it, to me, what's interesting is when I look very carefully into different um, belief systems and I mm-hmm. look very carefully into different cultures, particularly older ones, mm-hmm. the, theme, the themes are very much the same. Yes. Yeah. It, the, it repeats. Now, the opposite of that, and it sheds light on what's going on now, and it, mm-hmm. is that there was an archbishop, I can't remember his name, mm-hmm. but he, he had a prof- profound words he said religion is a very dangerous thing because mm. it, it deals in absolutes that's right and there are no absolutes in the in life they can't be you know i remember uh probably about 15 years ago i was on an interfaith council mm. and back then we had a uh, i was representing some local tribes uh, mm. a very small part native american a local tribe uh, adopted me and i was your representative but we what we used to do, and I've seen it since then, um, was that if life is a mountain and we're all yes. climbing the mountain, we all are going to the same point. Yeah. We may be taking different paths. Yeah. Now, if the paths cross, it is our choice. Do we share and continue ah. or do we fight? Interesting. It's, it's going to be our choice on how to get up that mountain together, separate. It's all the same path. It's the same mountain. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. So we, we used we used to use that and we had discussions, et cetera, but it was a uh, uh, an interesting mind opening time and this was right after oh, it was more than fifteen years ago actually, because it was right after nine eleven. Mm. But uh, yeah, I find that I also find that what for me and why I like to look at old things mm. is that um When you take a belief system and as it goes through time and it is taught or maintained by people, it is Mm -hmm. very, very likely that those people would put their influence on it. Yes. And also, as it grows, it becomes an institution and institutions are self-perpetuating and they tend to lose the message. Yeah. So that it's really trying to go, okay, this is what they say now. What did they, what are the oldest writings I can find from a thousand years ago, 2000 years ago? How did they translate? What did it mean to that culture at the time? Yes. To find out uh, what was really, what was really there, what was really going on? What was the message? And if I were to describe myself, I'd say that, uh, yeah, I am universal. I am not really uh, yes, I have things because of my background that uh, speak to me, and I do. But uh, I cannot say that in, in the entire universe, with the m- billions of galaxies and even billions more of planets, that I have the answer. Yep. I can't. That's beautiful. Yeah. I, I have a path, and that mm. path uh, speaks to my soul, speaks to my spirit. And I follow that path. I remember an episode a while back with uh, <coughs> with Matt 
I proposed a question. If you had aliens that landed, mm. uh, the ship lands, they're stepping off the ship, they look completely different. They may not even be carbon-based. Let's say they're silicon-based, whatever it may be. They're just totally different than we are. Are you going to approach them as other children of the creator, other mm. children of the source of the universe, or are you going to judge because they look different? Interesting. Well, I suspect that if the aliens landed today, they might actually just uh, go back into the ship and, and, and say, I, we don't want to deal with this. This this place looks like it's hell. <laughs> They're like, too much trouble. <laughs> Find another well, planet, you know. <laughs> well, I think they probably have the technology when they're flying by, they pick up all what's on the radio, the TV and everything, just lock their doors and keep going. They're like these people are just delusional. They've lost the they've lost their marbles. Um, but you made a good point about time being non-linear. It's absolutely uh, non-linear, and it's uh, we, uh, cir- circular in many ways. Uh, even in the Vedic philosophy, we look at time in that way, and you know the planets actually helped us to determine. Uh, the the days of the week because the Sunday was for the sun Surya you know and in Vedic astrology five thousand years ago they had outlined uh, they had set aside each day for a planet and the planet had uh, what it uh, embodied and the qualities and the principles and we still follow that luckily I think what I like most about uh, you know Hinduism or the real name is Sanatan Dharma. But what I like about it is that it, it's, um, you know, uh, they've, we've cherished it somehow because of our uh, gurus, teachers, the, the priests and all of that through time and through so many invasions and colonizations and, uh, you know, attacks and so on. So many years later, it, the tradition is still alive and kicking and actually more relevant than ever, more attractive than ever to the rest of the world. So it's funny that the oldest religion in the world is the third um, largest and yeah. I think maybe the second fastest growing. So, you know, I have anything else to, which would have been extinct or should have been extinct by now, but the fact that it's holding on and st- standing uh, strong uh, for for the betterment of the humanity, ultimately, I think, because you can just take good, great wisdoms from it, right, and great practices from it. So I think that's that's fantastic, and it uh, almost um, the West should be looking at an ancient civilization like that and asking themselves, what have they done right? You know, where have they got it right? But they don't do that. I don't see that humility. Even when I listen to, you know, whether it's Western scientists or um, the, the quantum physicists and the metaphysical uh, experts absolutely do uh, look at it. But then you just look at pure scientists. They, they don't, you know, and they don't realize that there's, this other body of knowledge, this is ancient, thousands of years old with such profound wisdom. And what can we learn from them? What have they done right? Obviously, they've done something right. Uh, whereas, you know, you speak to some American scientists and they're looking at civilization from a 250-year perspective, not a 5,000-year-old mindset, right? So I think that's, that's the area of change that I'd like to see in, in the West, uh, and that humility that there's more out there that we don't know that's a different 
way, uh, uh, school, school of thought, and let's uh, acknowledge, appreciate it, and respect it, and let's dissect it to see what uh, what makes sense and what we can take, and all of that good stuff. There's a lot of work to be done, you know. And they forget how many uh, the the fathers of modern science, um, you know, they were heavily influenced by Vedic thought. A lot of them write about this. And, uh, you know, in the science world, they know about it, but somehow it doesn't come out in the the media to the masses. And I think there should be some more work done in that because it's fascinating yeah. to look at origin of concepts and these beliefs or philosophies and, you know, look at kind of really appreciating civilizational history, I think. I think that uh, science may lead to that path. Yes. Even though they do not realize they're currently doing that. I was doing research recently and I came across a meta-analysis where it was actually science, NIH, looked at different energy healing. Mm. And they they were talking about Reiki and they were talking about acupuncture and they were they had five or six different types yeah. of, of healing in there and all had to do with energy transference. Yes. And they concluded, and this is unusual because this is outside of mainstream mainstream um, science or medicine, yep. that they that they were valid medical practices. Absolutely. <laughs> Now, when science says that, somebody who may read that, take a good look at it, it might have that hopefully science investigates more into the origins of it. And so do the people that seek it out to find what those origins and where they came from. And it may lead back to the original sources from those types of healing. Yeah, I think it's important. And also it's, uh, you know, it's, you need to know about the story of the planet and somehow we, even our history books don't teach us that, you know, when you look at uh, American students, actually anywhere in the world, uh, you know, they'll talk about the last 200 years maybe and uh, touch on maybe, you know, crusades and what, what not, but you're not looking at, you know, the very beginning and the, the real ancient civilizations and then civilizations that still exist, you know, I mean, how, much of um, both the uh, Indian and the Chinese civilization is really taught. And yet for 4,000 years, they were the most prosperous, you know, uh, civilizations around and, uh, you know, kind of really uh, ruled the world in many ways. And then we had the West come up and so on and so forth. So, but we don't get taught about that. And then kids kind of grow up not realizing that there was this, this glorious past. And to be honest, it's not past anymore. It's, they're still around, you know, that's the beauty of it. And uh, they're still very much alive and and kicking and uh, at the forefront of our, of our world today. Right. So uh, somehow we missed that that whole chunk period and uh, history books. I think I know in India, our history books are very strange. They teach Indian history from the, uh, perspective of the of the invader uh, you looking at it from a british perspective which is very strange and then they kind of glorify the the uh, the invasions that we had you know we had hundreds of years we had a thousand years all up of foreign invasions and to kind of glorify all of that and not look at what 
the, the glorious past before that thousand years is very dangerous because the kids are not even aware of their own um, own history and, and um, where they come from, who they are. And then you get these confused people. Um, and that I see that very, very prevalent in youth today. It's very dangerous and I think needs to be corrected, uh, starting from textbooks and academia. But peeps, parents, co- communities need to really uh, teach, I think, the, the kids about their their culture more and origins and make them proud of what they have. And it only adds to you. It's never going to take away anything from you. Yeah. You've been there. That, yeah. Go ahead. I was going to, I had a different question. If you wanted, to, if you had something to go with that. No, you, you go, you go with yours. Oh, I was just <laughs> going to say, you've been all over the world. Have you ever, um, encountered uh like a supernatural situation where maybe you've seen a spare like an entity or something ghostly oh absolutely um i'm very open to that sort of energy and i think that my my aura is sort of um very uh fearless and i'm not scared of this kind of energy so i what i've learned is that these sort of spirits that are around us and they are around us they will not latch on to to you if you are um you know accepting and inviting and respectful and all of that and you you have peace in you it's when you are resisted are fearful uh maybe even antagonistic towards that stuff or there's a you know you're troubled soul yourself that's when you attract this sort of you know they like that right so for me I've never had an issue. They never, they never attacked me. I mean, I never had a negative experience. I've only had beautiful experiences with intuition, insights. I felt things. Um, I've also visited a lot of um, ancient temples and monuments and you feel a presence, you know, when you go to this in Cambodia, you, there's the oldest, one of the oldest, largest temples in the world, which is the Angkor Wat. Uh, ironically, it's a Hindu temple, even though Cambodia is not Hindu. However, it used to be many, many thousands of years ago. But um, that's a huge temple and it's amazing, spectacular. But when you go there and you sit there and you walk around or meditate, there's definitely a presence, you know. And then in India, there are so many places where you know that there is something uh, angelic. There are other, you know, I think in India, it's a different, it's not so much spirits or, or ghosts. It's more like, the, the, this, there, the, the angels are there, or there's something very kind of divine about everything. It's very karmic, it's destined, uh, you, uh, it's very serendipitous, let's say, and, um, time moves in a very different way. There's nothing forced about it. It's very effortless and natural. Uh, that's why I like traveling to places like that because it's, you're just very, um, present. You know, when you go to these countries, you're, you're very, very in the moment and you're, you're in, you're living the life. You are life itself. You feel it in a way that you don't feel here. Here we are just running after, we're chasing time all, all, every, every moment, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah. Every, uh, every culture has their own little boogeyman's, if you will. And if I remember correctly, <laughs> uh, Middle Eastern, uh, had like the jinn was from the Middle East, right? Right. Yes, the jinn means ghost. Ghost. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, what when when you were a kid, a kid, was there any like folklore or, or, or boogeyman type characters like the Jane that you you like scared the scared you guys as kids that you were all like, oh, don't be out too late type deal, or he'll get yeah. you. Type. Very much so. So because even though my, uh, you know, I'm a Hindu and, and from India, uh, because I grew up in the Middle East, I was more exposed to, yeah, like Arabic and Islamic uh, ta- taboos, I think. Uh, so, yeah, definitely the jinn was was mentioned, but he was mentioned in a religious context, more like if you sin or if you do the wrong thing, if you're naughty, you misbehave, then uh, you will have, um, there will be consequences. So it was yeah. more like a bit of that. There, there was religion that was mixed into it. I think they, I think they, um, for them, it's an evil spirit. You know, it's like an evil entity. They don't believe in the um, soul in the way that the Eastern philosophies do. And they obviously don't believe in reincarnation. And they think that the the body and the mind is, is the final and there is a heaven and hell. Whereas in, in, in like Hinduism, there is no heaven and hell and uh, the spirit is eternal and you uh, only uh, change form. And there is this concept of reincarnation and the soul will come back and go through as many cycles as it needs to until it gains nirvana and moksha, which is spiritual liberation. So when you have a philosophy like that, uh, it, it just, it takes the pressure off, you know, and you can just focus on, well, you don't want to reincarnate, you know, you only reincarnate if you haven't got the message the first time around. So your goal must be to attain moksha. So self, uh, uh, spiritual liberation, self-actualization is the only and ultimate goal of human existence from a Hindu perspective. You know, and I think the sooner you kind of understand it from that way, then all of everything else becomes irrelevant and it's all Maya anyway. It's all an illusion. So you can be very detached with all of this political, commercial stuff going on and focus on your soul and your journey. And, and the way to self actualization is, um, you know, be a, be a good human being, inner peace, but love and serve. All those good things, you know. So, yeah. As a uh, yeah. self actualization, uh, that was a mouthful for me. Um, <laughs> okay, is that similar to the concept of enlightenment? Yes. So, moksha is the uh, Sanskrit word for enlightenment. It means getting that message of that we are all just love. We are all connected. We are all one. And we're all part of the universal consciousness. You know, those, these are the, the eternal, uh, um, messages and, and truths of, of life. Uh, easier said than done. It's very easy to say things like I'm love and light, but very, very different to live life in, in, in that way. And also very difficult to truly, uh, kind of uh, practice that, you know, especially when we are caught up in the kind of world that we're caught up in right now. Uh, but yes, enlightenment is the, I mean, moksha is the Sanskrit word for enlightenment. Interesting. I find that, uh, very interesting because I've always believed that, um, the universe gave us those we needed at the time, mm-hmm. uh, across the world. Yeah. Uh, 
and that would have been uh might have been the buddha at that yeah. time it's appropriate um different people in different yeah. times the universe gave us but they all gave basically the same message yes this is true yeah and that progression one thing i've encountered in the last i'd say about 10 years is the concept of you can achieve that mm-hmm. but you can also achieve that while remaining in the human form well that's why we're all here and we are supposed to achieve that in the human form that's why the world exists <laughs> and then the, what happens once you have done that when it's your time to move on yeah you, you can move on or you can choose to reincarnate yes. and continue to give the message to others that's what we call as coming back as an avatar so that movie avatar you know it's funny again another sanskrit word which re- really literally means uh, a version of the divine that has come down it's another form so you're so uh, you know now the these great uh, enlightened souls can reincarnate on earth and show the others the path that's what our spiritual gurus are supposed to be some of them are uh, genuinely enlightened souls some pretend that they are but they're not i think that's where the whole guru business gets very funny because there's a lot of gurus both uh, all around the world who are pretending to be these avatars that have descended upon earth and they claim that they have the answer and they completely it's bogus you know they don't have the they're not enlightened souls but they've made a business out of it but then there are the actual gurus as well and you feel i've been very lucky to have had um darshan or uh, a, an experience a transmission and an experience and an audience with many spiritual gurus in from different faiths around the world and i know a real guru when i see one <laughs> because they trust me the fake one is very it's very obvious you don't feel anything there is no energy transmission sometimes you don't even feel good to be in the same room you you know there's something funky you know but yeah. then you go to the real place it's beautiful there's nothing like it and if you if the guru blesses you if you get shaktipat the transmission a uh, blessings uh the real deal you know i mean it's a, yeah. it's it's a phenomenal experience very few real gurus out there you know that's 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 for sure yeah i think that uh if you're going if we're looking at energy and the body has energy fields yeah. not just not just the chakras yeah um science has even shown that the heart itself has an energy field that reaches yep. out to feet yes which just so happens to be what social distancing is so we're isolating ourselves from others on an energetic level as well as a social mm. level yeah but that energy field we have gotten away from trusting it yes I know that when I if I meet somebody just as I approach them how I feel and how that energy feels as our as our different energetic fields merge mm. tells me as much if not more about them than uh anything they might say yes and I think that that on that energetic level um we unfortunately have gotten away from recognizing it seeing it and trusting it and that's sad it's sad and i think science as you mentioned has a part to play so for for the longest time they've been 
the 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 naysayers you know they've said no this is all bogus now they're realizing that the the evidence and the experiences are too grand to ignore so now they're getting in the uh, they're you know joining the bandwagon so to speak and i think you know science does not have all the answers and i hope that they have the humility to uh, realize that and their job is actually to meet i think the the the, spirit, the spirituality and the spiritual halfway which they have never done it's always been the going their own way and some of them completely want to uh, uh reject you know anything that they uh think that they can't measure but this stuff can be measured and we are seeing with so many experiments and so many uh tr- trans transformations in people and some of these scientists themselves have had these spiritual experiences and, and I love quantum physics I I love quantum <laughs> physicists and special kinds of scientists who are very, you know, they're very open to this kind of this knowledge and they've 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 been there they've seen it they know the truth of it and when you read you know um the these great um you know whether even tesla and uh, you know nikolai tesla uh, and so many other uh, great inventors were so affected by the spiritual thought uh, you know if you uh, map how they got their inspirations and how they thought they were it's phenomenal and hellinger and there's uh, uh, schrodinger there's so many great uh, ones you know that i think somebody needs to make a great documentary i think about the uh, spiritual um let's say um influence or the uh uh their contribution let's say the contribution of philosophy and spirituality to modern science that's a topic that has not been opened up enough you know and i think that's going to get the science science world um thinking and maybe some introspection for once you know Matt, you had a question? <laughs> I got two more questions. Okay. <laughs> One of which is, in the Hindu belief of no, there being um, no heaven and hell, yes. um, what's, your, you know, what's your opinion of, of and it's not like a, a they're wrong type opinion, but what's your opinion of hmm. heaven and hell as a concept? You know, is it, you think ah. it's something that stay good, keep people to behave type thing or? So yes so there is no like oh if you die there's a judgment day and you're going to like that I just I'm I can't even uh using my wildest imagination I can't believe that that is a reality you know where exactly are these people going to go is this another planet that exists or and what not uh heaven and hell exist here on earth in in your uh in in the pain body you know in the in your state state of mind state of being so we have a concept obviously called karma now karma is so one of the many uh hindu concepts that has been butchered so much like dharma and probably nirvana and all of these things because karma does not mean that there is a a, a reaction to a reaction it's not that at all it actually means action karma karma it means you have to act um so this notion that's spirituality means that you just go to an ashram and meditate is completely bogus that's not what spirituality means at all it means that you have to be in the world and perform your karmas 
and the the action and then the right action because um if you know what every action obviously has a consequence but you have to act you have to do and whether you're doing seva which is service or um imparting wisdom or what not or you're just uh performing your dharma and dharma is your your path that you've chosen in 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 your life uh hopefully to get you to to moksha that's ultimately how it's supposed to be uh you know so our concept of heaven and hell is really uh perform your karmas in the in the best way so that you are not coming back you are attaining your actualization and um th- there are three types of karmas right there is the karma from the past which you've um cre- uh, accumulated the soul comes in with that and this some of these things are hard to sort of um ease up on then there is the present karma which is a uh, karmas that uh, you are developing as as you're going as we speak you know with like this lifetime and then they are uh, things that uh, in the future that you have the fruits of your past karma that you actually have to uh, enjoy so there's these three distinctive types uh, so our idea also is you know we don't have this concept of heaven and hell like if you're a bad person you're going to burn in hell or someone's going to throw you in some pit uh so we, it's it's a fearless kind of uh, there is no fear you know i think when i look at um some religions it's fear based oh you if you sin you'll you know you'll be punished this and that but you know we don't have that concept so people don't have that uh, knowledge of uh, or that experience of of oh oh do i have to be a good person you know i mean yes you have to be a good person but that punishment quality is not there the punishment comes from the karma itself right so it's a different way of looking at things uh so you're living in in a, a kind of a state of inner peace i think from the get go from the day you're born till the the day you die and uh that's a beautiful way you know so i know most people they are most hindus i know don't don't live in fear you know there is no confession uh there's no judgment day and this all of that stuff is irrelevant to us we just have to be on our path and be a good person and do the right thing okay. and not forget the essential uh teachings that we are part of the universal consciousness and love and light and all that good stuff and like how how do how do you think they keep all that out like the ones that are truly enlightened like that just meditation and yoga and like you know no we have uh, uh, well, there, there there are different ways but i think the important thing is the knowledge itself you have to yeah. know the knowledge you have to so your readings you know we have the vedas we have the uh, puranas we have upanishads we have in, incredible uh, texts and uh, all this beautiful wisdom is there in the text it's obviously it's translated now um the vedas are the the oldest uh, spiritual texts in the world i mean i don't know 5000 years probably older than that it was oral so it was orally transferred which is you know the interesting thing is it wasn't written down like it didn't come as a written form to be distorted and rewritten and things like that it was oral and people memorized it and then they it got transferred over so the context never changed the words the meanings never changed the it was the same verses and then even now people recite them right that's beautiful that that tradition has kept on but obviously at some point it did get written down and now it has been translated to you know and the, then you have the gita and you have all of that good stuff 
So we have many, many amazing texts with this knowledge um, for you to, to take. Uh, but I think it's important to even know that, you know, I think, you know, yoga is just for your body to relax it into meditation. And then meditation, you have pranayama, which really connects you to source. Uh, and, you know, so you turns in, uh, you know, push uh, kind of uh, shows you the, um, the place uh, to go to where you are connected. Uh, and the concept of oneness is very important. Right. Um, yeah. So there are different spiritual practices called sadhanas that in Hinduism we use to keep ourselves on the spiritual path. Yeah, when me and Ray talk about like heaven and hell and such, he says I, I lean more towards that side because I think you know, hell is more of a if you live a bad life, treat people terribly and stuff like that. When you die, yeah. you're kind of left to think about how you could have been better type situation. Yeah. Yeah. So, we vibe with All that. Right. I also, uh, and we've had conversations in the past, um, and one of them is that, and there are many names for it, we'll call it the source. Mm-hmm. Hell is being separated from the source. Yes. Well, so that's because you're, you're, yes, I agree. When you're living in a way that separates you from the source, yeah, you are living in hell. Yes. So there, there's no need to go to this other actual physical place after your death because it's it's a right now right right here um uh, phenomena right and it's your state of mind state of being and you know when you do something naughty if you have any conscious uh, consciousness if you have any self-awareness you know you that's not the right karma that's not the right action and you feel it and if you are a you know if you uh, you will feel guilty you will not feel good about yourself and you the pain body gets activated so to speak and you know, so all of these things are very real and uh, you don't have to wait, I think, to the end of your life to pay for all of that. You, your payment, your um, the, the consequence is going to happen right here. Um, and sometimes these consequences come in strange ways. I mean, uh, one of the uh, uh, questions people always ask is, why do bad things happen to good people? And then why are there so many, you know, horrible people who are rich and happy and it seem like they got it all? Well, you have to look beyond the facade. Do they really have it all? I don't know. I don't think so. I know plenty of extremely, I know billionaires who are miserable. I know royal, royal families who are very dysfunctional and there is no uh, uh, peace, inner peace. They're not love and light. You know, it's not happening. And then I know people with almost, I know spiritual gurus who have the real thing. I know, uh, people who are very normal, average, and yet they are in heightened states or higher states, I think, of ecstasy and happiness and peace and love, which is priceless. And money cannot uh, buy happiness. It can't buy peace. I think it gives you options. It makes life convenient. Uh, and also it's a good thing. Prosperity is good because if you don't have to worry about putting food on the table, um, then you can uh, actually focus solely on your spiritual uh, practices and things like that. So um, I think uh, there was the, the Osho, of course, you know, that famous guru, he always used to say money is a good thing, prosperity, and also love is a good thing, you know, but I think people took it too far. <laughs> yeah. And and also they, they, you know, he, I mean, he had like 36 Rolls Royces, but I think he was a smart person because he also, this is all Maya. 
you know, I can have my 36 Rolls Royces, but guess what? They're not coming with me and they don't define me, but I will enjoy them because, hey, it's all Maya anyway, you know. Yeah, it's true. Uh, I've got a question. Yeah. When you reach a certain stage and you have given up your attachment to both Mm -hmm. your ego and this planet Mm -hmm. and you do die, um, when you return to the source, do you retain an identity or do you give it up? Uh, So not everyone who dies uh, detaches from their ego. Uh, I think one of the, uh, that's the uh, philosophy of, that's why reincarnation uh, is necessary from that perspective, because you you are um, you didn't understand the the point of life. Uh, so in Hinduism, you you don't uh, re- retain your identity. You are the eternal soul, the Atman, you know, and you do go back to uh, higher, you know, I guess universal consciousness. And from there, if you didn't gain moksha, then you come back, and you it's not next year the year after your death. I mean, you, you wait for the opportune time based on your karma, the astrology, all of that wonderful stuff. Some people wait a long time. That's why, you know, it's important to look at a life as a gift. You know, your soul might have waited a very long time to come back in this form and in this particular point in time as well to have these experiences so you can, your soul can go through what it needs to go through, right? So that's the kind of thinking around that um but but not everyone who dies uh gets the gets the message of of uh detachment you know i mean ideally if you did then there would be no reason to come back and your job is done here at least as an earthling but uh very few actually gain moksha in the end and get enlightenment so to speak um yeah there is a belief also that uh there are those that did attain it but (laughs) from the from what you would call the other side, so to speak, and some of them call them ascended masters, um, yes. continue continue to help us. Yes, those are also the avatars, the same thing, you know. Uh, they have come back on earth to be the teachers and the guides. Um, some are the real deal, and then some are foo-foo people pretending to be these ascended masters. We've seen enough of the fake ones, I think. And um, they really lead people astray, and they take their money, and they, I mean, it's, it's a bad... Uh, situation but but thanks to karma they, uh, they now they have to deal with that that for their own soul you know so they they, they are definitely not gaining moksha after those actions i think uh, it's funny uh, because some of these people are very religious and they know the consequences of um all of this you know so it's funny that they choose to still uh, partake in uh, unholy activities uh, fully realizing that there is a spiritual consequence to it. Well, I think that they have, uh, I don't know, this, this goes to another another belief system, and it is the letting go and detaching. They have never detached. Yes. They may, may have had the, they may have the awareness. Yes. But they don't, uh, they never did let go. Yeah. And, yeah, they are drawn back. Mm. Um, I know that... Uh, I went through a, a near-death experience, and the first thing that happened afterwards is I was mad I was back. Wow. It was glorious. Um, <laughs> I was me, but I wasn't me. Mm. And it was pure bliss. But it, I'm wondering that, you know, how can you really 
let's say if someone experiences that knowledge or has that experience, how can they go about uh, walking this path in this lifetime and still keep their attachments and still be so uh, earthbound and ego bound? So many, uh, so many don't. Many have near-death experiences and they come back a different person. They are just uh, a more present, more loving, uh, forgiving, compassionate. Uh, I think anyone who's had a near-death experience is, is a changed yeah. person. They have also gratitude that they are back because they could have not uh, come back. They, that could have been the end of it. So I think they're all, they've all changed in some way, but I think based on the level of their own evolution, spiritual evolution, they uh, sort of kind of get back to the way that they used to be. I think, uh, thankfully, many uh, change quite dramatically. Some become more religious, some become more spiritual. They look for answers. Um, some have, uh, during that phase where they have that experience, uh, some have divine transmissions, uh, and flashes as well. So they come back and they have this knowledge, you know, um, the conversations with God, that sort of stuff, you know, they have those divine sort of experiences and they know that there's something else out there. It's sad that sometimes it takes that near death experience yes. for people to realize that. Yeah. And some people have the karma, uh, they have the sort of, yeah, the, the karma for that. Not everybody goes through it. Like, you know, from my understanding, the soul will go through what it needs to go through to learn the essential lessons that it needs to learn this time around. So that may be a divorce. That may be bankruptcy. That may be near-death experience. Um, that may be uh, becoming very wealthy and having a deep void. It may be uh, fighting, you know, getting involved in... Uh, you know, conflicts or go, going and getting involved in wars or uh, or an accident or whatnot or cancer, you know, sort of some big disease and stuff like that. Uh, so everybody goes through something different. Not everyone goes through something, uh, uh, you know, dramatically negative. Some do, some don't, I think, based on what your soul needs. Uh, so you can't even judge people. And also when you look at these you know, very, say someone is a billionaire and he's a tyrant. And yet you think, why does he have all of this good, good stuff still? Why is he still, you know, very prosperous and abundant? Well, that's because he's reaping a lot of rewards from his previous incarnations. I mean, who knows this man might've been a sage in a past life. He was a wonderful human being. And this lifetime he has been gifted with a lot of riches. Now he's misusing it. So there, there are going to be consequences, but you can't hold people, um, you can't take that away from them karmically. That's why, you know, anytime people want to even say Trump, right, they, they love to just say, oh, look at this billionaire and this and that. I was like, well, he earned from a spiritual level, you can't um, sort of discount what he is and who he is, everything that he has manifested. Uh, it, it, it was meant to be. You know, he's been blessed to be born in a particular family and inherit and do well with that. And you can't take any of that away from him from a soul level. Yeah. And I mean, based on his lifetime, this time around, he will have the consequences that he, uh, you know, needs to have. But you have to 
you know, give the devil its due, so to speak. That literally you need to sort of uh, respect and appreciate because we don't know their their karmic blueprint. You don't know where that soul has been, how many incarnations. Maybe he was a yogi in a past life, you know, and who knows? <laughs> now, uh, what? as far as past lives go, um, how much do you believe in past life regression? Uh, I've had several regressions myself. It, it's tricky because... Although I do believe in the concept of reincarnation, and obviously I, I know that I've been around before. This is not my first ro- rodeo, so to speak. Um, you, you got to be careful because, you know, you could go to some person who says that they do past life regressions and they could do some kind of guided meditation with you. And then they just say that they've seen a bunch of stuff and that that was your past life. It's very, very uh, murky and ambiguous. So, I think you need to have a real experience and also doing things like ayahuasca and some of these ceremonies and then saying that you, you remember some past life. You have to be careful that you're not just hallucinating because especially with, with some kinds of mind, mind altering um, practices, it's mind altering. It's, you know, there is something that's kind of being distorted here. And sometimes people are unable to differentiate a real insight from your, your mind is just imagining things. If you're on acid and you're saying, Oh, I'm having a past life regression. It's probably the acid speaking, you know, it's not the, not the past life um, truths. So don't be doing acid and LSD and expecting some, I mean, you can, I'm sure people have had all kinds of interesting revelations, but I think the ability to differentiate depends on your spiritual maturity. And if you've done a lot of work on yourself and you go do some of these plant ceremonies, I'm sure what comes up, you'll know what's truthful and what's not. But if you've done nothing, no work, and a bunch of stuff is coming out, I, you know, I, I wouldn't give much credit to that because you don't know what what stuff is in your mind your subconscious <laughs> yeah. they're, they're, they're trying to use uh, hallucinogenics for like fighting depression now have you heard about that at all i have i think it's very dangerous yeah um because it's a short-term fix it's a band-aid it's not does not treat the root uh you're trying to treat symptoms you know that's also also you can get addicted to some of these um Whatever, you know, you, yeah. you, you know, a lot of, uh, uh, prescriptions for depression and mental conditions now is all sorts of, you know, opioids and pills, right? right? Well, you just get addicted to that. It's, and then you can't function without that. I think the situation is worse. You need to, uh, do uh, pure forms of rehabilitation, whether that's exercise, um, detox, eating well. Uh, yoga, uh, Tai Chi, martial arts. There's so many, you know, whatever. There's, we have a, a acupuncture, whatever. There's so many, um, modalities today, uh, all natural, non-invasive. I think you should opt for those. Yeah. And also you are what you eat. I think food plays a big, um, thing, you know, and fasting. I fast a lot. Fasting is amazing. When you fast, I think you, your mind is clear. You can, your sight is clear. You can see clearly. Your, you can think clearly. You get inspirations. Um, I highly, um, 
recommend uh, fasting. You know, it's so good. And also detox your system, give your system a break, you know, and uh, all that good stuff. I think there's so many things that don't even cost anything yeah. that you can do. And I think for depression, you need to understand. Uh, I think the attitude of gratitude is the best medicine because you, if you realize what a gift it is to be alive and that you are such a fortunate, lucky being to be living in this present moment and look at all the beauty in the world. And you're really coming from that perspective and you develop gratitude for everything, then you're going to just have love in your heart and love for everything around you and hard to be depressed in that environment. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. <laughs> I do have a question since yes. this is, since this is mostly ghostly. Yes. Yes. Um, do you believe people can communicate with those in spirit? Yes, absolutely. I think people at a certain vibration um, can because it's all vibration. So I think that whether it's aliens or spirits, they are operating at a vibration that's different to the human vibration, but they are humans who can go in and out of different frequencies. And if they can, um, you know, uh, tune in themselves to that particular vibration, they can pick up, uh, you know, and, and they do have, I mean, depends. The communication itself can be in different forms. Sometimes it's more intuition. Sometimes it's more specific. But I do believe that people can communicate, interact. There are messages. They can be the in-between person. But also, I think it's important to note that not everyone who claims to talk to the spirits actually talks to the spirit. You know, you have to be careful. Because I think a lot of them are taking you for a ride. You know, so, yeah. yeah. Well, I know that uh, for myself, the if someone claims to be a medium and be able to speak with spirits, I am their worst nightmare because I will not say anything. Ooh, interesting, yeah. And uh, I went through a period of time where I associated with, with uh, mediums and trained. And my way of recognizing a good medium is that um, – they will give information. And if someone starts to give information back, they'll cut them off. Wow. Interesting. So it is, it is all about giving the information out yeah. so that there's no opportunity to read the person or mm. to manipulate information coming back. And that's, that to me is the uh, sign of a good medium. Yeah. You have to uh, be careful. I think there's a lot of people who, who claim that they are, that they have this ability when they don't. And I think to trust them completely, it'll take you astray. You, it'll leave you astray. You'll go down the wrong path. It'll confuse you even more. So, um, you know, follow your instincts with that. I think uh, try to read between the, 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 the lines or look, look beneath the surface, because if someone is very genuine with this stuff, it, it becomes obvious sort of, you know, uh, over time and just uh, sort of go with that and don't jump into anything. Take, take your time, be patient with it, test it, whatever, you know, do what you need to do to assess if this is something for real. Um, and yeah, the truth is out there. The truth speaks for itself. I think you just have to be willing to receive it. Amen. You get that right. <laughs> well, well, Ray, you got any more questions? Uh, 
No, I don't think so. I think there's one interesting thing when we were uh, talking a little bit about the different cultures mm. and the concept of, uh, as you were saying, like some some people might say God, others might say mm. source. Yes. And over time, institutions and people and how things change, et cetera, is that um, having done some studies, uh, actually pretty much continually researching, but mm-hmm. actually having done some studies, is that I came across um, an old, and it's similar to cuneiform. It's it's symbols, but not language like we have it now, and it's called uh, Paleo-Hebrew, the original. Okay. Very, very old. And there are four symbols together mm-hmm. uh, there, which is the original name that was attributed to God now, the old translation, the oldest one they have of that Paleo-Hebrew, the translation for God is the everything. Okay. I like and that. It's, it's interesting that um, I know like with the Native American, um, there is, particularly out west, there's mm. a name called uh, Wankantanka. Okay, nice. Uh, it translates to the great mystery. Yep. Nice. And you start going around the world, but this, yes. And it keeps on coming up about this oneness. Yes. This everything, this unity, everything, this, this source. Yes. And it all is the same thing. Absolutely. And you know, in the, in the Hindu culture, which again, the Vedas, which are the oldest texts, they also talk about all of this, whether it's Atman or the universal consciousness, which is everything. That's why the concept of interconnectedness and oneness is so important with Hinduism, because we genuinely think that we are all energetically one. So if I hurt you, I'm hurting myself. That's why it's, why do we do the Namaste? The Namaste is a a very, you know, it's a Hindu sort of practice that now everybody loves to do, but it means the divine in me, recognizes the divine in you, right? And it's just that beautiful way of looking at you as me, you know, like I don't exist without you. That's a wonderful saying. And in the Vedas, in the Vedic philosophy, there is a lot of talk about not just oneness, but also an interconnectedness, but also that, um, that there is no one truth. And they're never claiming that, this is the truth and the only truth. And if you don't believe in this truth, you are a bad person. There's none of that. It's always, there are many paths. The truth is one. God is one, but there are many names. And you are allowed to travel the, the path that you choose. And no one is saying that your path is wrong. And I think that's, we have a, a religious uh, tolerance. But more than that, it's mutual respect for all religions, I think. Which is very important, which I don't, find too much here like in the western sort of world i think they're still having issues with accepting their that there could be other religions that are also truthful and there are other kind of spiritual paths that might also be the one you know um so and i don't see them changing because the very structure of organized religion is we have a doctrine and this is it right i think to reform or edit that is almost impossible um 
So you have some people who want to reinterpret it in some ways, I guess, or find a mystical side of it, which is very nice. And I like that a lot. But I think other than that, the traditional sort of uh, organized religions will always state that there is one truth. This is the one truth. So, uh, but the world is kind of moving away from that. I've noticed, and they're really looking at other, other, other schools of thought, you know, and uh, real quickly, uh, forgive me if I uh, murder it. Uh, there's an extra you that the Upala Foundation. Do you want to shed some light on that real oh, quick? Oh wow, or? this is a, from a from an older bio, I think. Yeah. Uh, you, you yeah. know, like many many years ago, when I first went to Southeast Asia, I was so touched by the what, the people and the kids and everything. But I also was like so torn with the poverty that they have there and i and there's a lot there's way too many orphanages there with a lot of orphans and it's just so sad and i always thought that if i could ever do anything to help people i want to help the helpless which are kids you know so i had set up that foundation and i you know to do a lot of fundraising and so on uh but uh and i only did have done personal donations so far i haven't done any big fundraisers for that as, as much. But what I have done is I have um, kind of uh, uh, been associated with other great charities, several here based out of Los Angeles, actually, because there's a lot of good organizations that do very good work. Uh, I'm uh, kind of very lucky to be appointed as an ambassador for some of them. And they specifically do deal with the uh, female victims of actually victims because it happens to men too, but victims of domestic abuse and violence, which is a big problem around the world, but also in America itself. And, um, uh, you know, things like acid attacks and all of that, it happens even right in our own backyard and the people are completely disfigured or burned. You know, the stories are really uh, horrifying. And so there's a few organizations that I've been associated with for many, many years. And I, you know, I'm very honored to be part of that. But um, what I have set up recently is a nonprofit organization called the Omnia Institute. And that deals with um, media research, uh, with uh, things like foreign policy, as well as culture, soft power and so on. And I think these issues of culture and uh, female empowerment and human rights also always falls uh, into under that as well. It's all, they're all connected, right? Of, uh, liberties, freedom, rights, human rights, all that good stuff. So I uh, aim to uh, do some good research with that institute and also do some fundraising for that. So that's, I think, the uh, maybe the new avatar of, the, of my Upala Foundation. <laughs> that's really cool. Keep up yeah. the good fight. You like that? Yeah. Mover and shaker over here. Phenomenal. Yes. <laughs> you are something else. My You're goodness. so cute. You're so cute. <laughs> We're proud to know you now and proud to have you on the show. Oh, I'm so honored to be part of your show. Thank you. You know, pretty for president. After, yeah, after seeing how people are getting vilified, <laughs> I don't think so, buddy. I mean, hell no. <laughs> you know, they'll cook up all kinds of, they'll dig up something they that happened 35 up. years ago. Like, oh, she did this, she did that. You know, oh my God, forget it. Just, uh, yeah, that facial, with that, the way they can uh, do the face swap for the movies and those phone apps. God yes. knows what they're going to be coming forward with. That's true. Yeah. 
it's going to be wow. Well, I hope the next few years for America is going to be good. I am very skeptical of some of the policies, especially foreign policy, but uh, we can only hope. And I think that this administration, hopefully they're, they're, they're going to be so focused with economy and COVID for the next few years that it's not about all these wars, conflicts, geopolitical things, because that's big stuff. It gets, the U.S. is already in a lot of hot water in so many ways because of all of this entanglements. So um, I hope that they just focus on fixing the economy and taking care of COVID. And that should keep their, that should keep them busy, you know? Yeah. Uh, Did I hear you might be adding author to your, your hat, your many hats as well? Yes. That's why the published author is not one of the hats yet. Uh, So the book is being written. um, I mean, I, I have many book ideas. I'm sure I'll write, more than one, but this, this particular one that's being, I'm writing it and floating it around and so on. And it's actually on feminism, but it's taking a look at feminism and looking at what's not working in this traditional feminism, because I don't think it is working in the, the movement is, is in a lot of issues. I think it's kind of uh, going a little diverting from its cause, let's say. So yeah. kind of taking a look at that and looking at feminism in other cultures as well. And maybe what we can learn from other cultures, other wisdoms and ancient systems, maybe, and things that are very relevant even now. People say that we, we doing these podcasting and films say that we do a lot of stuff, but you make me feel like I sleep 23 hours. A no, day. you're too kind. You're too sweet. <laughs> you know, um, I'm a perfectionist. So for me, in my mind, I, I've done nothing and I have nothing to show for it. That's the kind I've always been like that, which is good and bad. It's good because yeah. it keeps you pushing, it but does. it's bad because you really need to take a look, pat yourself on the back, uh, look over what the good things that you've done and just be proud of yourself. You know, yeah. I'm honored to be on this amazing podcast, mostly ghostly. And thank you for the amazing host for having me. Please check me out. I'm all over social media. I am the Pretty Effect on Twitter and the Pretty Experience on YouTube uh, and Pretty Upala on Facebook. So please reach out, uh, Google me for my articles, go to my website, prettyupala.com. I really look forward to uh, speaking to all of you and I hope you have a, a wonderful time exploring the content that I've put together and please keep supporting and keep uh, exploring the truth. Thank you so much. Namaste. I wanted to make sure you understood. Thank you very much. Uh, yes. Finally getting to uh, speak with you and yes. for being a guest on our show. Yes. It was a great pleasure. Thank you. You are. If you ever have anything to promote, you're always welcome back. We'll be reaching out to you in the future. Try and get you on another episode. Yes. We'll be we can do something. A- and love to have uh, love to come back. And I think when the book is getting ready to be, uh, you know, publish whatnot, we, we can do something for the book. That might be interesting. Too. Oh, that'd be great. I'd love it. I'd love, we'll get a copy. We'll get, read it up. We'll have you on. We'll be well-educated and we'll do it big. Okay. Wonderful. Thank you so much, gentlemen. Well, and uh, have a wonderful rest of the day. You too. Thank you very much. You thank you. Okay. Thank you. Namaste. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Hey, everybody go check out Preeti and all the pages she released. You'll see them on our page. And, uh, Well, thanks, everybody, for joining us on another episode of Mostly Ghostly. We'll catch you all soon. Bye-bye.